0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our return guest today is Barbara Mango, Ph.D., Barbara received her MA and PhD in metaphysics with a doctoral dissertation on NDEs. And prior to receiving her postgraduate degrees, she worked as an educator, Reiki practitioner, and is the proprietor of a healing touch Reiki. She currently researches, writes, and speaks about extraordinary phenomena and consciousness. Barbara is a board member of the Past Life Research Institute and served on the research committee for the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation. CCRI, which investigates the interrelationship between consciousness and extraordinary phenomena. She is a contributing author to the books The Transformative Power of Near Death Experiences by Dr. Penny Satori and We Touched Heaven, a collection of experiences that reached beyond the veil by Claudia Watts Edge. Barbara co hosts alternate perception radio with Brent Rains. Mm-hmm. I got that right. That's correct. <laughs> okay. And Convergence, The Interconnection of Extraordinary Experiences, is her debut book, which we'll be talking about in part today. Barbara Mango first guested on NDE Radio on our show of November 6, 2017, and I urge listeners to go there to hear her account of the amazing changes in her father, a Jewish atheist who experienced OBEs as he was dying of pancreatic cancer. Barbara's prayers for an after-death communication with him have been answered as you will hear in our interview today, along with an amazing viewpoint on the convergence of overlapping consciousness. Barbara, welcome to and welcome back to NDE Radio.
1: Hi, Lee. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to be back.
0: Well, it's exciting to have you here. Barbara, now that I've primed our audience's curiosity, review a bit about your dad's change of nature as he was dying, the the promise you insisted he make, And what happened between you and him since then
1: my father passed away in 2016 from pancreatic cancer and during his final months i live in connecticut he lived in florida i would fly back and forth constantly to be at his side while he was dying my main intention was to be there and provide compassionate care, Uh, due to my education and background in metaphysics and my own lifetime of spiritually um, transformative experiences, I felt like I could really be there for him and listen and hear him. So in our final weeks together, when he came home from the hospital, and was in hospice at our home, I was able to sit by his side and have many, many deep and meaningful conversations with him. He was not medicated at the time. So he was incredibly, incredibly lucid. And we had so many heartfelt conversations. Oh. And what I was there to witness, and it was it's so hard to put into words, Lee. It was so beautiful. He all of his life he had. Kind of prided himself on being this really dug in atheist, didn't believe in anything, nothing, (laughs) nothing. Although I had been raised in a Jewish home that was, you know, it really wasn't. It was rather an atheistic home. And during those final, final weeks, he began having a series of spiritually transformative experiences where he would leave his body. Mm -hmm. and go to the other side and meet with light beings and this happened two to three times and it was absolutely amazing because obviously during a nearing death you know awareness and experience you're able to communicate these experiences so during these these several times he would have them, he'd urgently call me over. I mean, he'd yell across the room, Barbara, Barbara, <laughs> I, I go get, you no, know, he, absolutely. He would insist that I get a pad of paper and a pen. And he instructed me to take down his words in exact, exact verbatim detail. And I would, because he said to me, in case I forget, any part of this experience i want you to remind me i want to have the words written down and also because of the during this and this was difficult um i was in the middle of writing a chapter about this for dr satari's book so i was writing the book he had given me permission to include all of our conversations and he wanted me to have it verbatim for that as well And the conversations he had with these light beings were so magnificent for him, so healing, so beautiful that in a rather short time, he started believing. He shifted his entire paradigm uh, from a complete atheist viewpoint to becoming a believer in the afterlife. And it was he was so happy he would beam. And he finally said to me, you know, Barbara, I was always proud of you that you stuck to your guns and got your PhD, but I never really, you know, agreed with your topic, you know, your, your subject matter. He said, but now I do now I get it. (laughs) So towards the end of his life, I had a conversation and I said, dad, will you please visit me? I want you to visit me after you pass. And he smiled and he looked at me and I said, you know what I mean, right? I I want you to come after you pass and and make yourself known to me. And he said, yes. And I said, dad, I I really would appreciate this if you do it in a big impactful way. Like, you know, I know. Floor or you know I feel a little gust of air or maybe a feather you know floating mm-hmm. down or a synchronicity please come to me in a big big way so he passed in September 2016 and I had been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to to come to me but he he never did until about four months ago. And Lee, boy, did he come in a huge, impactful, beautiful, and transformational way.
0: Wow. Oh, tell us about it.
1: How this, (laughs) sure, sure. I, I just wasn't sure if I lost the connection. I'm having some, a little strange things on my end. I had, was recovering from some pretty intense spinal surgery. And I was in a lot of pain. And during this time, my mother had to be put into assisted living. So it was a little stressful between the pain and dealing with my my mother's care. And I had asked a friend, I was talking to a friend, she doesn't live locally, and she's a certified hypnotherapist. And she had said to me, you know, Barbara, why don't I try just to get you into a relaxed state, like a light hypnotic state, just to really just calm your mind and relax you. And I said, great, you know, I could really use that right now. And, excuse me, another friend was with her, you know, two very trusted friends. And we did this, we had to do it, as I said, through Zoom, because we don't live close together. So I did have my computer computer on video as well, which, of course, that part remains very private. And she put me into just a very relaxed state. Now, I had no intention of what may happen during this relaxation. Uh, I was hoping that I would just, you know, really be able to just bring myself to a point to lessen the pain and still my mind. But all of a sudden, what happened was my body felt just changed it felt extremely extremely light very 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 light and the next thing i know i feel myself now i know i was aware that i was laying down i was aware of the room i was in I had full of, you know awareness i was just very relaxed but i felt myself almost lifting from my body and then i entered a tunnel And as I entered the tunnel, I could see, you know, a very bright light at the top of the tunnel. And I could see myself traveling through the tunnel. I could see myself from underneath my body. I could see my feet, you know, see myself from that way. And I also could see the top of my tunnel, of the tunnel through my eyes. And I thought to myself, the conscious part of my mind, oh boy, this is a small, small glimpse of what near-death experiencers talk about, you know? And I said, I, I know, oh my gosh, I think I'm being taken to the other side. Mm. And then it was, it, you know, I don't know how long that tunnel experience lasted, time just had no meaning you know it could have been two seconds it, it, it could have been a minute then all of a sudden I popped out of the the tunnel and I was in this gorgeous beautiful uh, natural setting the sky was just a bright brilliant crystal clear blue um, magnified heightened blue that we see here on earth and I was Looking down at the most beautiful lake, uh, just shiny and and so clear. So everything was heightened as far as the the visuals. The natural yes. sounding was very heightened. And I sat there. I was just sitting there, looking around, and I I had the sense I was awaiting something. I wasn't sure what that was, but I knew that. If I waited, something was going to happen. As I was waiting, I saw light beings approaching me. Now, I would call them light beings. They were enormously large beings that were probably a combination, if I could describe it, an energetic combination of a sparkly white and almost an ethereal cloud-like substance Mm -hmm. but they had the shape you know i could see the shape of a head and shoulders and body-like figures and there were maybe three or four of them and one of them I saw my grandmother's face in it. Now, my grandmother Mm -hmm. died when I was 17 years old. I was extremely close to her. And she has come to visit me several times since her death. And she did say to me at one point after my father's passing that I will be there on the other side for your father, which at the first I thought you two didn't like each other. In life <laughs> they didn't get along at all lee i mean it was it was a pretty tense relationship so i'm thinking wow things really are different there's just love over there so she appeared i could see her face so crystal clear and then she appeared to turn and almost with what i took to be her hand push another being forward who seemed a little hesitant for some reason and As this being was being pushed forward, it grew and it grew until it filled the entire sky. And then I saw my father's face in the middle of, you know, it it had the shape of a body, right? So it was right where I saw a face structure. Oh, my gosh, Lee, you know, when people pass years and years and years ago, we sometimes forget their features i mean we remember but not not clearly mm. oh my gosh i could see every pore of his face his eyelashes every strand of his hair and he appeared to me in the prime of his life which you know i've heard that that happens he didn't speak to me he, there were no words but what i saw were his arms opened up massive massive arms with hands you know, looked like human hands. And he reached, it took the whole ins- expanse of the sky and he reached his arms and hands toward me. And I felt my own arms, I was still laying down and I felt my own arms and my hands reaching up towards him. You know, I'm like this, mm-hmm. I had no control over them. I was aware, you know, in my laying down regular barber state that they were doing this and I tried to pull them down, but I couldn't, I had absolutely no control over them. And then I thought, Oh my gosh, we are meeting. He is going to hug me. And my hands kept going up and up and they were sticking straight up, you know, In the sky, on his side, in the sky and my side toward the ceiling. And we embraced. And the love that passed between us was. As you know, you can't describe it completely, utterly, profoundly indescribable. So powerfully loving. Tears were running down my face. I was crying, crying, crying out of love, you know, emotionally, so emotionally touched. And he was non-verbally telling me how much he loved me and thank you for waiting for me mm-hmm. and i don't again i don't know how long that lasted it seemed to last a while um but it slowly fa- he slowly faded i was still crying but i had trouble bringing my hands down I didn't want to bring them down. (laughs) I wanted to keep hugging him. I never wanted to stop. But eventually I brought them down and my friend brought me, you know, back to full, my full reality. And I still was crying. And she said, oh, my gosh, your dad finally made his big entrance. And I said, boy, he was right. He kept his word. He came to me in a profound, profound, profound way. And that ended up being one of the most transformative experiences of my adult life. And I, that experience passed. There really hadn't been much telepathic communication between us. But about two, two or three weeks later... I was just sitting in my office and I heard his voice loud and clear, so loud, yelling in my ear, Barbara, hospice, hospice, hospice. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, I've had friends mention that to me in the past, Lee. Why aren't you working in hospice? Mm-hmm. And I used to think, mm, no, no, no. Thank you for the suggestion, but no. And at that moment, I realized my dad had come to me to work with me and I felt he was guiding me to my mission. And I realized, you know what? I'm going to become a certified death doula. This is what I want to do. And I think when we realized that we're on our mission or we've realized what I like to call it service is, I felt so elated. I almost started crying again. I felt like jumping up for joy and and just screaming because I realized that's right. This is it. This is it. And wow, dad is with me and I'm coming full circle in this. I want to help other people, you know, other families learn compassionate care. And that's This is very similar to what you and I will be talking about at the Heinz conference.
0: Right. And at the end, I I want you to talk a little about our upcoming appearance together, but now I want to take you back to a time when you were living with your uh, atheist parents and (laughs) in your book, you say from the age of two, you were visited by a loving non-human entity who talked about space, time, the cosmos, Mm -hmm. the meaning of existence. And, um, memory of past lives. Tell us about this friend of yours.
1: When I was two years old, we were living in New York at the time. And we had a small apartment. I had my own bedroom. And I liked, obviously, to have my own little time in my room. And I had a little you know, child's table. I used to play with my dolls and all that. And I just remember that one day I went in to play with the dolls. And instead of my dolls you know having time to go get my dolls there was a beautiful woman she was incredibly striking she was native american she was very tall a- again i'm too like everybody's tall mm. but she seemed exceptionally tall and i was fascinated i wasn't afraid of her i actually it was the most natural thing in the world for me to see her sitting there and it was just so reassuring. And she just one day started talking to me telepathically. Now, as a two-year-old, I, I guess I was a little strange. As a two-year-old, I realized, <laughs> you no, know, I just had some innate realization, I think, that most children don't. And of course, I only stood understood this, right, mm. in, in the comprehension of a two-year-old. But I knew that she was from... Beyond our everyday you know three dimensional existence, and I also knew that she was there for me because the most impactful part of this league was how loving she was. She was very, very, very very loving, and this was probably the first experience I had with being unconditionally loved because I did not have that in my home and So I think that was the biggest impact. The second impact was we would have these conversations. And as I said, they were completely telepathic. And again, that was the most natural thing in in the world for me. I didn't question it. I thought it was actually more natural than human language. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember exactly what she told me, of course, because I was two, you know, and I, I honestly don't think I was meant to remember every conversation verbatim. I think it was an exposure to unconditional love and just to go forth with the knowledge that we are more than our physical bodies. I do remember her talking to me about the universe and that we are more than our physical bodies and we are. Can actually connect right with other, like another side, so to speak. And she would talk about, I remember she one time she was telling me about the stars and about, excuse me, about the stars and the universe and the origin of the universe. I, and honestly, Lee, I don't recall you know every nuance of it but it was, I just so looked forward to her visits. And when I was three years old, we moved from New York to Kansas City. And I don't remember her visiting me there. And I really think that she visited me at that time, because that's what I needed. At that time, I needed a loving presence in my life that opened my eyes to an existence that's bigger than ourselves. Mm. So she gave me exactly what i needed at that time which was wonderful it
0: was right. beautiful and and uh that's sort of the theme of your of your book convergence in a way mm-hmm. uh but it, and it goes back to this time because your parents were scientific materialists in their outlook and it was it was really only when your father had his out-of-body experience that he saw the, the greater reality and when, when i first heard about this and, and read about uh read about yes. it uh it reminded me a little of uh, Eben Alexander. He, he was a scientist who only woke up when he had his own amazing NDE. Right. Experiencers have to take the lead over scientific, uh, scientific method researchers, really, if we're ever going to have a breakthrough to the other side. You say in the preface to Convergence that realer than real experiencers, you know, those who see something that's realer than real, believe we have lived what science is attempting to prove. And it it reminded me also of the old Flatlander story of a two-dimensional scientist trying to explain a 3D event in 2D terms. Another thing in the forward to the book, I believe it was Erica McKenzie's notes or quotes that altered states of consciousness enable us to access supernatural dimensions of reality. So, in effect, saints and shamans and mystics and yogis have a lot to share with scientists, if the scientists would only listen. Um, I guess um, the next thing I'd like to have you talk about, uh, since this is, this is sort of a program of you and your dad together, tell, us, tell um, the audience about your UFO sighting with your dad when you were 10.
1: Yes, I included this story in the book because it was so impactful and it was another major spiritually transformative experience that i had as a child i had four major spiritually transformative experiences and also because this experience shared components with other spiritually transformative experiences so that's why i did i did share this um so the story uh, revolves around my father and I. It was a beautiful, beautiful early spring day. It was March, actually. I remember the date. It was March 20th, mm-hmm. and I was living in, outside of Kansas City at the time. And usually, Kansas City in March is in the upper 50s. You know, you are lucky if we hit 60 degrees. So this was a, it was an incredibly warm day. It was in the lower 80s, which very unusual. So my father and I went outside to do like early spring yard cleanup. And my sister and my mother were in the house getting lunch ready. It was lunchtime and homes in where I lived in the Midwest are very, very close to one another We have very small uh, plots. And so all the neighbors were outside too right it's great glorious day let's get outside and do some work right fresh air (laughs) so we were outside raking and it was one of those perfect days where the sky is just beautifully intense blue and there were no clouds i mean rarely a cloud so i was just really enjoying the day and i was looking down raking and all of a sudden the sky got incredibly dark and i didn't understand because it was a beautiful day. I mean, you know, no storms, there were no storms forecasted. So I remember looking up and my father looked up and the neighbors looked up because we had been chatting before because, you know, our houses are so close together. And we were all looking up, wondering Mm. why it had gotten so dark. And above me, I saw Absolutely enormous. Uh, And I hate to call them UFOs. What they're now called is unidentified aerial phenomena. You know, they're interchangeable, but I prefer that term. And oh my gosh, Lee, it was huge. It was perfectly spherical, it was round. Uh, It was no more than maybe 500 feet above us. It was the size of approximately one to two football fields. So that would be between 100 to 200 yards in diameter, I could clearly see the surface of it, I because it was very low. And the best way I could describe is it looks like the um, like brush that brushed silver, you know, uh, not shiny silver, but like a a mat, a brushed Mm -hmm. silver, it was very, very thin. It, it was like two thin dinner plates, you know, turned upside down and put together. And even though it was above me, I could see the edge a little bit and I, I could see there were there were some type of windows lining the circumference. Although I could not see anything behind the windows. Mm-hmm. And as I was looking up, I felt absolutely no fear. Absolutely not. Because I had always, since I was two and had these experiences, I always knew that I figured there's there's more to existence than what we experience in our everyday three-dimensional reality. So to me, this was not unexpected, not unusual. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden a, a telepathic conversation started and I assumed uh, there was some type of, you know, intelligent life in the, in, in oh. the uh, craft speaking to me. And the conversation went, basically, you know, we know that you believe in us. And I'm sitting there like shaking, shaking my head. And so we have come. So you will know we're here and we need you. We know you understand this, but we need you to let others know that we mean no harm, that we come in peace. And we are here to just observe you. And I was 10 at the time. And this was a few years before we even landed on the moon. Okay. And so that hadn't occurred yet. However, they were telling me, okay, you know, this is an example of how we're observing you in a few years, you're going to go to the moon and, A few years later, you will have another mission that will be intended to collect moon rocks and lunar dust, and you will bring that back and you will observe and examine that. So that's the correlation of what we're doing here you know and they also spoke about and i know this is not uncommon about the need to protect our earth and our environment and i've always been very sensitive to that like even as a child right uh, I was always in nature. And that was my second home, so to speak, I, I loved everything in nature. And how important it was for me, as I continued through my lifetime, to let people know that to take care of our environment, to love it, to nurture it, to enjoy nature. And we had that conversation. And then I believe they said something about, okay, that's basically summing it up, you know, this this is all we have to say to you and you know thank you for listening <laughs> and i never once took my eyes none of us we were you know like just staring and it was gone we had mm-hmm. never heard a noise we had never heard any noise there was no noise as it much must have approached there was no noise as it left we could not see it approach we could not see it leave So I remember running over to my father, just bubbling full energy. And I was like, dad, dad, dad. I said, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I said, "That traveled faster than the speed of light because we couldn't see it. We couldn't see it. And we couldn't hear it. And he looked at me and he said, Barbara, how could you possibly know that? He said, you have not learned that in school yet. Hmm. And I said, "I, I don't know, dad. I don't know. So it could have been something that maybe my spirit guide had told me when I was very young, or it could have been maybe a download that I received from them. I don't know. Um, so while we were writing the book, the reason I put it in there again was because this is a powerful, powerful experience. Yes. And it had some of the aspects of, you know, near-death experiences or other spiritually transformative experiences. Time stopped. You know, it just... I had no idea how long this 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 lasted i mean i absolutely i was just living in the moment there was telepathic communication and downloads of previously unknown information so that's part of the convergence factor with that and also even though of course it's realer than really and another thing that's very impactful and similar is i was 10. i don't even want to tell you how long ago this was but Quite a long time ago. I remember every detail, every single detail, even the feel of the sun on my head, as clearly as I did then, which is another commonality. Yeah. But as I was writing the book, I thought, okay, you know what? We're really backing this book up with a lot of science. And I I I really want to come across as, you know, a very professional in my approach to this. So I tried to verify this sighting and I was able to verify the sighting. In Project Blue Book. And it did happen. And it actually listed the town I lived in, which was Shawnee, Kansas, on March 20th, 1966. And then I said, oh my gosh, and it verified it as a true sighting. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh gosh, okay, I've got that part verified. But it was so hot, like it was so weird. It was so hot. Let me look that up. So I actually found a site with historical weather and it mentioned that Kansas city had a 10 day, uh, heat wave. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was the longest heat wave they've ever had in March. And it was in the eighties for 10 days straight. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I didn't need proof, but it's so nice to have this validation. And I included that in the book as well.
0: The, the, the book, uh, for the audience who has have not read your book yet, uh, they may think that we are jumping around from topic to topic. But what the the theme of the book is is that anomalous experiences are interconnected. Uh, they it, it takes you to to quantum really quantum interactions between energy and matter. And so you may be very interested in NDEs, but it doesn't stop there because when you're talking about multi dimensional events. All of these other things can take you there as well, like a realer than real experience, such as you had with that uh with that um, I still call them UFOs. <laughs> um the uh, a couple of other points your book makes is consciousness um is multidimensional and it manifests itself multidimensionally, so that um this is uh, a non-local consciousness, mm-hmm. which is important to human scientists. Consciousness exists and evolves non-locally and independent of the brain. I'm going to read a portion of your chapter five, which is about convergence. Um, And it's a quote basically from Kenneth Ring, and I think it sums up this this whole topic. So really, really well, which is I'm sure why it was included in your book. Why do NDEs, OBEs, and UAP, which is UFO-related contact, and um, past live experiences. What do these all have in common? Could they be connected, tying us to the universe in multidimensional ways? Non-local consciousness may prove to be the link that explains it all. And then this quote from Kenneth Ring. As Kenneth Ring asserts, when consciousness begins to function independently of the physical body, it becomes capable of awareness into another dimension. Let us, for ease of reference, simply call it, for now, the fourth dimension. Most of us, most of the time, function in the three-dimensional world of ordinary sensory reality. When one quits the body, either at death or voluntarily, as some individuals have learned to do, one's consciousness is then free to explore the fourth-dimensional world. Any trigger that brings about this release may induce such experiences. It happens that coming close to death, for obvious reasons, is a reliable trigger affecting this release of consciousness. But to repeat, anything that sets consciousness free from the body's sensory-based three-dimensional reality is capable of bringing about an awareness of the fourth dimension. NDEs, ears, ears UFO-related contactees, and those with past-life memories seemingly transcend the time-space sensory constraints. Of our 3d realm opening them to an awareness of the fourth dimension And one of the anomalous categories in your book is past life regressions mm-hmm. and the implications for reincarnation so tell us uh, uh if you would something about some of the past lives you've encountered in, in yourself and perhaps in others
1: when i was six years old i had a very powerful past life memory and this I included as well because it was so amazing and transformative because I had a spontaneous physical healing and oh my gosh so basically in life in my real life I was six years old I was in first grade and I, I contracted pneumonia and I couldn't kick it I just could not get better and I was constantly at the pediatrician's office. He tried every type of medication, you know, they had and the remember the old VIX Vapor rub and those vaporizers, right? That our parents put yeah. in the room. Everything. <laughs> and and Lee, nothing, nothing was working. And I missed 50. That's five O days of school, which is crazy. Mm. And I remember one day the principal called my parents And they got off the phone and they were so upset. And they said, Barbara, you know, you've missed 50 days. And the principal told us that the maximum amount of days you can miss and not be held back is 52. And I mean, I knew what being held back was, right? That, you know, nobody wants to be the kid that was held back. And I was so upset. My parents were so, so upset. So I went to bed that night. But I wasn't asleep at all. I was, you know, thinking about this. I was really upset. And basically, I slipped into a past life. And it wasn't a dream. I have never for one second believed it was a dream. I didn't believe it then. Don't believe it now. And I have actually verified part of it. But what happened was in this this past life, I I was Barbara. It's, it's hard to explain. I hope I can do this effectively. Here I am, Barbara, in my everyday 3D life, and I'm laying in my bed, and I'm very aware I'm Barbara laying in my bed, not able to sleep because I'm upset about this news. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I see a child who is my age, also six years old, and I immediately know that it's take this is taking place in 1905. In Derbyshire, England. How I know that? I don't know. I just did. And I'm all my, I, 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 the best way to say this is talking about four dimensions. This happened in, I don't know, five or six dimensions. So immediately, this totally transforms and transcends what we're able to do in everyday life, right? We can't do this. How, as a child, could I experience this? So I'm looking at this girl like we would look. At a movie right i'm seeing the scene unfold as if i'm watching a movie but at the same time i'm looking down on her i'm looking down on the scene from like a bird's eye view i'm also able to look underneath she was in a car being driven by her chauffeur she's a very wealthy little girl so i'm i'm seeing it in so many dimensions it's crazy and even as a six-year-old because i still was aware you know i I wasn't sleeping i was like how can i do this like like people can't do this people can't (laughs) see in all these dimensions this is not possible and then and this is a little i hope i can explain this clearly i became her it's almost as if again I'm i'm aware that i'm barbara but I actually became her, and I knew her name was Victoria. I'm in her body. I'm looking out of her eyes. I'm viewing the countryside as we're driving, and my chauffeur is in the front. It was like a the equivalent of uh, of a convertible right of a, a British touring car is what it was called, and I knew I had the awareness that I was being driven back to my country' summer home, and that I had been taken away from the home and sent to stay with relatives for a few months because something tragic had happened in my home and my parents felt that it was you know my family felt it was in my best interest not to be there at that time so i had a heavy heavy feeling this little girl has this heavy heavy feeling in her heart she's so scared she's sad she's confused and and again, I have the awareness that what, what's going on? Like I'm two people here. Like I'm 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 having this consciousness of, of a different time and place and space. Mm-hmm. And I have such heightened vision. You know, it's almost as if like Kenneth Ring uh, in his book blind uh, mind excuse me talks about omnidirectional vision now how's mm-hmm. that possible so that that period of my life ended then I seemingly jumped to the end of that life where I was looking at myself again as probably I don't know I'm guessing late 40s and I saw myself I was very tall I was blonde I was very striking I was in the bedroom of a very Beautiful manor home. I was looking out the window at my, you know, gardens, my beautiful fields behind my home. And again, I not only saw this woman from multiple viewpoints, but I became her. And I'm looking at the gardens through her eyes. Mm -hmm. And I am feeling these intense, intense, just intense feelings because she had just been to the doctors and she had been told she was dying of terminal lung cancer. And I knew, I just had the knowledge that, and again, her, her name was Victoria, that Victoria had been, had really been frivolous with her life. She hadn't taken care of her health at all. She was a party girl. She drank too much. She smoked like a chimney, just really disregarded her physical health. And then that ended and eventually I fell asleep. And when I woke up the next morning, Lee, I felt really good. I knew I didn't have a fever. I wasn't coughing anymore. I had no wheezing, you know, the wheezing you get. Mm-hmm. And I remember going into my mom and going, I feel really good. And she <laughs> took my temperature. Yeah, she took my temperature, she Barbara, you don't have a fever. You have color in your face and, you know, how you can hear somebody wheezing. She said, I don't hear you wheezing. I'm like, I want to go to school. I I don't want to be held back. I want to go to school. (laughs) And she said, well, I, yeah, right. I need to take you to the pediatrician because I need to make sure you're okay. So she got me in that day and I remember him actually saying this. He said, Mrs. Pollock," because that was our last name. I don't know how to explain this. I mean, Barbara's been sick for almost two months and you can't just like get all the way better overnight. Like that's impossible. I have no medical explanation for this. And here I am, this little precocious six-year-old and I kept this to myself, but I looked at him and I said to myself, oh, I know why I'm better because (laughs) I knew I died of lung cancer, which of course is respiratory. I was battling a respiratory issue. And so I didn't need to hold on to it anymore. For whatever reason that I was holding on to it, you know, uh, energetically, karmically, whatever, I could release it. I had remembered it and I could release it and I was healed. And the impact, the transformational impact of a spontaneous healing Mm. is just it's profoundly it's life altering and I just, oh, my gosh. And that, too, I have never forgotten one detail of that as well.
0: Just another form of anomalous event that uh, can affect your your physically on this plane. We have time for one more story. And the one that intrigued me was the group of people you were with when one of the attendees who proclaimed that he could contact um, UAPs or UFOs. And and uh, you recall that you were you were part of the crowd and you were very dubious about that claim. But tell us what happened.
1: Well, yes, um, I am very skeptical by nature, even though I've had many experiences. <laughs> I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm very skeptical and very discerning because I. You know, I worked very hard to get my doctorate and I take my work very seriously. And I have come across many people who, you know, I think for a better term or not aligned with my thinking, you know, they're not they tend to believe things too easily. So what happened? This was in 2017 and the Dr Edgar Mitchell Foundation was having its first conference in miami florida and i was part of that research team of the dr mitchell research team as was lynn miller my co-author and that is actually how we met both being researchers on the team Mm -hmm. so we i attended lyndon i attended the conference because i could see my my mother as well she lived in the area and we had a cocktail party the night before the conference a cocktail party was held at uh, a friend of one of the board members beautiful home gorgeous mansion in miami and it was it was lovely met a lot of interesting people and i do remember there was also a film crew there because the foundation was in the process the very beginning process of making a documentary so there was a film crew there and one of the film crew members who was very involved with and very excited about uap unidentified unidentified aerial phenomena contact um wanted to see if we as a group Could have an experience with one. And again, I'm very skeptical. I'm listening to him talk and I'm thinking, oh, this is crazy. You know, I, because I really only talk about my thing is the transformational aspect, right? Is it transformative? Is it positive in nature? I don't tend to deal with things that I think are on the fringe or out there. And so, anyway, a group of people there were maybe 75 people the people said, eh, what the heck let's 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 do this. They went outside. He led the group outside and I was very hesitant to go out there but but it, you know I thought, oh well what, what the heck you know let, let me go out there And um, this particular individual um, asked us to stand in a circle. I was standing in the circle thinking, oh my gosh this is like what am i doing here and he was in within great intent trying to create contact with you know a a higher consciousness something above what you normal everyday 3d life holds and his specific interest was uap nothing happened he was just focus things so hard and so hard and so hard. And we're all looking at each other and shaking our heads. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going in stairs. This is too weird for me. Like this is not what I do. I focus on transformational things. This is really weird. And then, and then Lee within a few moments. I felt the energy shift outside. I'm very sensitive to energy, very, very sensitive, which is another thing a lot of experiencers, you know, after they have an NDE or become more sensitive to electromagnetic fields. I know PMH Atwater is one of them. And yeah, and, and that I've developed that, you know, very highly sensitive. So I did feel like an electrical Charge in the air and i was thinking well this is interesting and very interesting and i thought well you know maybe i should be here a little longer because i don't know what this is about and i was just looking up in the air and i saw a, 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 like a flash of of a I'm trying to explain it it was um like a not sparkly but a, a glowing uh pink. Uh it was the shape of uh trying to think what be maybe not a pear, but or cylindrical maybe. And it was it was pink. On the left side of me, in my vid- side of vision, there was a pink uh orb-like glowing object, very beautiful. You know, just glistening, and on the left I saw a blue object. So of course, I associated that maybe I, I, I was a, bee, a light bee. I didn't know. I, I really didn't even try to question it. Mm. And as they were flashing these beautiful lights, I'm just looking up, and this is all I saw was these flashing beautiful lights descending just descending from high in the sky, descending down and down and down. And meanwhile, I'm feeling a lot of energetic vibration. And I didn't know what to make of it. I had no idea what I had experienced. I wasn't sure what the heck had gone on. And then one of the attendees and these photographs, I included two of them in the book because the reason we included this is we do talk about that one of the commonalities between stes is the presence of some type of light being or simple inexplainable lights inexplicable excuse me mm-hmm. and that's what these look like to me and that's why i remained outside i was like oh my gosh this is like what happens in an ste so after that's ended One of the attendees said, oh, my gosh, you have got to come over here and look at my iPhone she had captured on her phone. I don't know to this day what it is, but it was an image of an arc of light, just the shape of of a rainbow. This gigantic arc of light that took up the entire sky. Now, I could not see this. That doesn't mean it wasn't there. But she had captured it on film. And just an unbelievably large arc of light that was transparent, yet almost glowing. And looked like there was some type of electrical current running through it. It it appears that way. It appeared that way to me. And in the image on her phone, on one end of the arc was a glowing pink object. And on the other end of the arc was the glowing blue object that I had able to see. Now, I honestly, I to this day i'm not really sure what that was um i just associated it again with with the light some formal light being Uh, everybody attending of course because they were very focused on the uap aspect believed that yes indeed this had been such an experience and they were very excited and pleased <laughs> that that this had happened but i do have to say lee it, it those pictures really are inexplicable um they are quite astounding and it was a intense intense experience um and so uh that that was included in the book at all as well and, and i believe we included that in the light phenomena
0: very interesting well, it. Uh, I wanted this variety of experiences, and uh, I know uh, the co-authors brought other talents. Mm-hmm. Um, Lynn is especially good, I guess, at NDE and OBE experiences, but, uh, but I, I think you've given a wide range just to demonstrate the theme of the book is that anomalous experiences mm-hmm. can be interconnected, that there's something that If you're you're going to look at one, you probably should look at them all because they all, in one way or another, have a transformative effect on uh, the experiencer. Uh, We are getting toward the end, but I think there's time, Barbara, for you to tell a little about um, what uh, our plans are to do at the IONS conference coming up in September. Um, You recruited me, so I'm going to let you describe the project.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm really excited about this. And we're going to be presenting, I believe it's Saturday, September fourth at 7 p.m. And because of COVID, it's going to be an online virtual conference. Again, I believe last year was as well. And hopefully my I'll get this connectivity issue <laughs> really, really stellar by then. Um, and because obviously that your experience with dying, uh, dying individuals and wonderful, beautiful experiences they have, uh, we're combining your professional career of patient-centered care with that compassion I was able to bring to my father as he died. So my father's story, and it's a Comparison and contrast to the way I was able to attend to him during those final weeks versus family members that did not have the education or training and really created an atmosphere that was very traumatic and um, discomforting for him. And the difference, the humongous, just enormous difference that providing compassionate loving care and to me the most important aspect as i'm sure you've learned too is to listen listen to the dying person because even though they may be speaking symbolically and in ways you don't understand that doesn't mean that what they're saying isn't true and we need to honor and respect and validate them and then it can be a just a beautiful magnificent and healing experience
0: yeah yes Well, I'm looking forward to it. And in fact, the looking forward to the entire conference, if uh, listeners are interested in finding out more about it, go to IANDS.org and and just look at all the speakers. I mean, there are some some well-known people. I think Evan is going to be there and uh, uh, well, check it out, because I um, that will be more effective than my memory (laughs) is on the subject. Um Barbara, I think we are out of time for today, but uh, tell listeners how they can reach you and also how to find your new book Convergence.
1: Sure, the full title of it is Convergence: The Interconnection of Extraordinary Experiences. You can purchase it on Amazon as a paperback or on a Kindle format, you can purchase it at Barnes and Nobles, either again in a paperback or their version of uh, Kindle, which is called Book Nook. We also have a website, it's www.extraordinaryexperiences.org. That serves as the hub of our book. We also have a vast vast array of information on uh, websites, informational websites and Facebook groups, everything an experience or maybe looking for for support, understanding, further education. And I also write, I can't say they're weekly, I intend them to be, but I've written about 80 blogs. And they're informational blogs, they touch many of the subjects we've talked about and discuss in the book. And if you want to contact me or Lynn, my co-author, please feel free. We answer any message within usually 24 hours, and you can reach out to us on our website.
0: Very good. Thank you so much for being with us, Barbara Mango. And well, Thank would- <laughs>
1: you for having me, Lee.
0: <laughs> if listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 400 archived NDE interviews, go to Talk Zone's NDE radio site and hit the past Shows button. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can listen and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. And be sure to like, follow, and share our new NDE Radio Facebook page and discover our Facebook group and links to our YouTube channel while you're there. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app with your desktop or mobile device. Go to ions.org to learn all about the IONS 2021 annual conference, which begins on Zoom September 1st. Lilia, my associate producer, and I will both be speaking at this year's conference and listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.